This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Matlana. I would be Matt or Matlana. I didn't give myself the nickname. I earned the nickname. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Matlana. All right, uh, my next guest really doesn't need an introduction, but I'll do it anyway because, well, he deserves it. He's the longtime former host of The Tonight Show. Now you see him on Jay Leno's Garage on CNBC. You bet your life on Fox, and he's coming to the Cobb Energy Center. Saturday night, he's Jay Leno who was kind enough to join us right now. Jay, it's a pleasure. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time. So you might laugh at this. I don't know. I had tickets to this show, and they were given to me in December of 2019 as a Christmas present. And here we are, 28 months later, and I'm finally going to see Jay Leno. So I, I had to wait to find out when the show was going to happen. Knowing a little bit about you that you're a workaholic, what were you doing all these months? Well, I mean, what could you do? It's not a lot you could do, really. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's so funny. When, when I, I'm one of those people. When I started, I said, I never want to be a guy who turns down a job for the money. And I never want to be one of those guys. How much? I mean, what are you doing on a Tuesday that's worth that kind of dough, you know? So I just worked all the time. So when this COVID thing came along, it's like an enforced vacation. You can't work. It was like, oh, Okay. I mean, I was in much better position than most people. You know, one, I feel sorry for kids that want to get started because they come to L.A. And, you know, you can pass the hat. You can be a waiter. There are all kinds of things you could do while you were trying to make it in show business. And they couldn't do any of them. You know, I remember going to bars and going, can I tell jokes? And if I, you know, I used to put $50 on the bar and say, uh, if I do well, I give me my 50 back. If I bomb, you guys keep the 50 and they go, oh, okay, and I that cost me about four hundred dollars, but it was, it was, but it gave me a chance to at least get on stage, you know. And you couldn't do any of that. So for me, I don't, I don't complain about the, the whole COVID thing because to me, I I had it way better off than than most people, you know. I I, I had made my money ready, and everything else is gravy. So, okay, the fact that I was forced to stay home, it was, you know, of course I'd rather be working, but that's okay. Well, and, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Like like I said, I've heard you talk about you love working, you love traveling, you love doing the shows. You can't do that. I mean, are you – does your wife want to kick you out six months in? Are you losing your mind? What are you doing when you can't work the way you want to? No. Well, you know, I got a lot of broken cars, you know. So <laughs> I I I, uh, I pulled a couple engines and been sitting for years. Yeah, yeah no, it was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't too bad. You know. You know. I come from the never explain, never complain school. You know. It's like, hey, you're in show business, okay? Get a real job, then bitch and moan, okay? So to me, I don't. I don't complain. The fact that I'm able to make a living in show business is so amazing to me that no, I. I. I, I don't complain about it. So the, the, when Jay Leno is with us playing the Cobb Energy Center coming up Saturday night, the 
art of telling a joke and doing what you do. I, I think maybe the most difficult thing, and I don't, maybe singing a song on stage is more difficult, but it, but it's right there. When you're not well, in the practice Singing a song would it. be more difficult for me on stage. You're 100% well, for, correct. For all yes. of us, but the ability to make a room laugh when you're, I'm paying to see you Saturday night make me laugh, and I'm like, all right, he's still able to do that. That's that's a talent. But when you're not in the the art of doing it, when you're not in the practice of it, even as long as you've done it, does do you lose some of the rhythm of doing it? Well, you know, it's funny because I'm dyslexic, so I never, I've never written anything down. If I can't remember it, I, I, so you, you kind of, I, I just try to work as much as I can, just just to keep yourself right. To me, it's like going to a gym. You know, you get up and you. You just try out stuff, and you try out jokes, and you'll do a whole set just to try out one or two little sentences, you know, uh, just just to see if they work. I mean, uh, comedy essentially is the economy of words. It's trying to get the most laughs in the shortest amount of time so you don't waste people's time. You ever notice the longer story it is, boy, the funnier it better be, or people are like, now they're really pissed off because you've just gone on and on with this story. You know? I mean, my favorite thing is when I do corporate events, and the head of the corporation considers themselves humorous, and they'll they'll tell some long, boring story. Nobody laughs, and then they go, "But seriously, as we move forward, no, 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 not first of all, you were serious, okay? Nobody laughed, nobody said anything. That's always my favorite thing. But seriously, you know, oh yes, now that you've amused us all, please." Jay, I, I and I'm, I've been a big fan for a long time, but I'm, I've always been fascinated, and I want to know it from your end. Like, were yeah. you shocked at how interested people were with the drama, both around the first time you got the Tonight Show, the the next time around with Conan? Like, from the inside, were you just taken aback by how interested people were in all of it? I wasn't interested in the takes that people take had on it. You know, um, I, I try not to answer too much. You know, to me, it's like, who do you tackle? The guy with the football, Okay. Okay, now you got the football run. Okay, you're going to get tackled. It's going to happen. Okay, it's just a matter of how you deal with it. Um, you know what it is? I, I never believe the good stuff or the bad stuff. I have the same idiot friends I had in high school. Uh, Hollywood is very nice, but Hollywood is like the old adage, don't fall in love with a hooker, okay? Because it, 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 it's going to break your heart. It's not going to be good. You know, so to me, I, I always was like, oh, okay, this, this is, this is it's just the nature of the business so but yes by asking your question yes i was surprised i you know people like people would say to me you know when johnny left you should have just retired the tonight show you know that johnny owned it and the and, and the fact that you took it over you should have retired it well no you're not gonna retire it's a job i mean please you know so, so people get all kinds of weird things you know well, here's where you're better than me, right? Because the critics weren't kind to you in a lot of cases. Um, oh, maybe no. In the... Oh, go ahead. Well, no. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is you can't be the hip guy every night. It, it You know, it, when, once you start, you know, it's, it, like to me, the funniest parts of comedy is when you're starting out and you're broke and you're talking about, uh, you know, flying economy and getting ripped off and all that. And after a while, people know you're successful, and you really can't get away with that material anymore because it's not true. So you've got to – it's why I go on the road, you know, because stuff happens. I'll tell, you something, I'll tell you something happened to me. This is so stupid. I was in Minneapolis. I'm doing a show at a casino, and the casino is building a hotel, but the hotel's not finished yet. 
So, okay. So they say to me, listen, now, when the, when, when the gig is over tonight, about midnight, we'll run you down. We got your hotel downtown. I said, oh, thank you very much. So they drive down. We go downtown. We go in a back alley. We pull down the alley. A door opens. A guy comes out. Here's your room key. on the 18th floor or whatever. Okay. Man. I go up to the 18th floor. I go to bed. I get up the next morning. I go, I'm going to walk around, walk around Milwaukee. So I go out the front door. And I go left, go right, walk a couple of blocks. And then I go, what? Where's the hotel? Well, I'm lost. Then I take out my key. And my key is not a key. It's just a card with a woman sitting at a spa. You know, and I go, there's no name on it, right? So I'm like, oh. So I'm standing on the street, I'm looking left, I'm looking right, and I see these two cops in a patrol car. And the guy goes, can I help you, sir? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to find my hotel. What hotel are you staying at? I said, actually, I, I don't know the name of the hotel. I came in and gave me the key. And I hear the other cop go, he, he's on the radio. Oh, we got a 5150 uh, elderly man here, confused, doesn't know where he is. I go, no, I'm not confused. I know I'm in, I, I know I'm in Milwaukee. I don't seem to know the hotel he's staying at. I said, no, no, I, I, nobody told me the hotel I'm staying at. And the other cop goes, why wouldn't they tell you the hotel? Well, they just gave me the, see, I'm doing a show. And I, it was hysterical. I, it was hysterical. I go, how does that, how, you know, if, if, if you live a Hollywood life, you have handlers and people that travel with you, and those kind of things don't happen. And I was, I actually started laughing. The cop said, you look familiar. I go, yeah, I'm the guy that does the time show, Jalen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, I just look, I, I explained. They gave me the key. I, I never saw the name of the hotel. I just was. So they took me to one hotel. I go, that's not it. And then I went to the second one in the lobby. Oh, this is it. This is it here. You know? And I, 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 you know, I was just laughing the whole time because here I am ready to get picked up on a 5150. Elderly man, confused, doesn't know who he is. You know? It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new and i'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the daily draft in downtown woodstock i hope you'll go see my friend sean daly that's get it the daily draft this is the ultimate sports bar experience so as the football playoffs near and then baseball's around the corner knock on wood and all the fun springtime things that will happen in atlanta you're going to want to enjoy it at the daily draft it's downtown woodstock on main street what you're going to find a craft beer bar self-serve taps uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game and when i say a big screen they have a movie size screen with a front row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games a chef inspired menu with soup salad sandwiches flatbreads uh, you name it they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family a boys night or a date night TheDailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like Trivia Night, Kids Eat Free Night, and more. TheDailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love The Daily Draft. Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it. But that somebody doesn't have to be you. At the Rose Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at roads-group.com. Jay Leno is going to be at the Cobb Energy Center Saturday night again. Um, oh, you know what? Actually, you know what? On that note, I was going to ask you, I said the critics weren't the kindest to you. But here's where you're different than me and maybe my generation. Like, you never felt the need to fight back. You never felt the need to, you know, when you went through the stuff with Conan, like you did some interviews, but I never heard you on the attack, which, I don't know, maybe today no. with... with PR people and, you know something? and social media it, would have been an attack. You didn't. Why? Here's my attitude. Never believe in yourself. Let other people believe in you. Because if you're any good, somebody will save you. 
And that's pretty much what it was. You know, I just sat back and I watched some people say one thing. Other people go, you know, it's NBC that makes these decisions. It's not Jay. Okay. Uh, you know, and that's basically what happened. I mean, when I I was doing the show, I promoted Conan every night of the week. You know, when Conan started the first 13 weeks in, they weren't sure what they were going to do. And I went to Omeyer and I said, uh, no, I think he's funny. I said, so what? I'll, I'll promote his guests every night at the end of my show. And I did that for five years. Okay. And then they come to me one day and they say, Conan wants you out. I go, what's that all about? They go, well, he's got this, you know, demographic. And I go, okay. My favorite part was actually, I said to them, you know, I've, I've been number one. And they said, well, we want what's above number one. I said, okay. I said, what's above number one? Well, you know what I mean. We just want to get more. I said, we're number one. And every demographic group, we're doing fine. Oh, okay. Well, so, okay. So then they said, okay, in five years, I always made sure I had a, a, a what they call a play-and-play play contract. I never wanted to get paid for not working. A lot of guys love the idea that they hire you. If they don't use you, they have to pay you. Yeah, they do. But then they'll never use you again because they already paid you. So my thing was always, I want to work. So I, I said, I got to finish up my five-year contract. So I said, they said, and will you leave gracefully? I said, yes. Okay. And I said, very nice things about Conan. I said, I'll leave. They don't want me after five years. Okay. About two years in, Craig Ferguson came along. And suddenly Craig was beating Conan. And then they came to me and they said, oh, uh, we don't know what to do here. I go, guys, it's not my problem. You've already kicked me out. They said, look, we'll give you, would, would you do a primetime show? I said, no, I hate primetime shows. And they said, well, look, we'll hire your, we'll pay your staff for two years if you promise to do that. I said, I went to the staff and said, do you guys want to do that? And they said, yeah, okay. So we did that. Well, that show lasted six months. But those guys all got paid. And by that time, Kona was not doing well on the rating. They came to me and they said, you, you, you want to do the show from 1130 to 12? I just do the monologue. I said, that's fine with me. I'll do monologues and headlines or jaywalking. I said, it's fine with me. Uh, Cone didn't want to go with that. He quit, and then they gave the show back to me. And that's basically it. So uh, that's, I mean, that's a business. You know, that was NBC's business decision. And people say, oh, you, well, you shouldn't have taken this. You shouldn't have taken it back. Why not? It was taken from me. Why wouldn't I take it back? But. Hey, welcome to show business. Yeah. Well, and listening to you talk about it, like I, I've seen your interviews where the love you had for the way up, doing the do the shows on the road, doing the bars, doing the clubs, you said you paid to get your opportunity. Like, is that where, because the business of the talk show gets involved in the talk show. You wanted to do the jokes and do the monologue, but the business comes into it. Like, is the love still more for you, the starting out on the road, doing the clubs and back on the road? Oh, yeah. I love that. I, I mean, that's my favorite. You know, comedy's like golf. You can do it to your eight, in your 80s if you just play it right. TV jobs are all temporary. It's why I never, it's why I never touched a dime of the TV money I made on the Tonight Show. You know, TV money, it's just, it's just tainted. You know, you have all sorts of other reasons. You know, the comedy you make on the road is pure because you, you write joke, tell joke, get check. I mean, it's real simple. People like the joke. It, it, it's like there's so many times I've seen comedians go on the Tonight Show and do well, and then they go on the road and they die because there's a difference to an audience, the jokes they hear for free versus the joke they pay for. And a joke they buy a ticket for better be a lot funnier 
it better be more in depth. It better have more story to it, more laughs to it than just quick throwaway jokes about uh, a topical subject on a nightly basis, you know. Uh, I mean, a lot of times you do a joke on Tonight, Tonight Show Monday night, it gets a big laugh. He did the same joke Thursday. A lot of times, that sometimes the jokes hold up, but a lot of times they don't. Jay, um, the, uh, the the artist I said telling a joke I think is fascinating, and you're great at it. But I also thought, and, and I would tell anybody listening, if you want to go down the YouTube rabbit hole, it's a joy to watch Jay when he made appearances, especially on Dave. Like, your ability to tell a joke and keep the audience in the payoff I mean, it, that almost feels harder to me than being the talk show host or, the, or telling the jokes in the monologue. You know something? Doing Letterman in those days is still my favorite time of my career. It was amazing. Because, because if, before when I would do Carson, I would always go, well, thank you, Mr. Carson. Jay, it's Johnny. Well, I didn't, you know, when you grow up coach, you don't call adults by their first name. You know, that always made me, like, come to California. Jay, this is my parents, Bob and Agnes. How are you, Mrs. Manicelli? How do you do, Mr. Manicelli? I can't call you Bob and Agnes, okay? It's just so when Letterman came along, it was the first time I was at a host I was an equal to, and, said, and we were friends, you know? And I knew all of Letterman's foibles. You know, my favorite thing was to, whenever I do Letterman show, I go downstairs, I get a huge meatball sandwich, you know, from the sub shop. And I'd wait for Dave to come around the corner to go into makeup, and I'd stand up and I'd, and let him go. How, how can you eat? How can you eat that disgusting thing right before you go on? You're gonna throw up. Going, oh, Dave, it was delicious. Dave, try this sandwich. And Dave, you know, Dave was always a nervous wreck before he went on. So he go, no, I'm not eating it. No, I'm not eating it. So then it got to the point where I would just bring the sandwich out on stage and eat it at his desk and and drop you know meatball sauce all over the table. And it was it was just it was just so much fun because Letterman was so uncomfortable, but. The fun thing about doing those elements was it was never the joke. It was on the way to the joke. That's what Letterman always liked. I remember I'm just sitting down and Letterman said, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, I was out at the old Manson place the other day, Dave, just to see the guy, see what's going on. He goes, the old Manson place? You know, man, but, you know, you know, you know Chuck and the other, you know. And, and Letterman would laugh and realize the, the real funny part was there was no punchline to it. It's it just, just stupid talk, you know. But your chemistry with Dave was just to this day. Again, you could watch that stuff today, and he would let you set it up. Yeah, it was beautiful. Know, it was like it was like a dance. People think Dave and I hate each other. We don't. I have huge respect. You know, when I saw Letterman, he was not a great performer, but he was a great wordsmith. He could weave phrases together in a humorous way. And when Dave saw me, I was okay at that, but I was better. At just being loud and loquacious and, you know, so, so whatever. And he would say to me, how can you be so confident on stage? And I would say to him, man, I, I love the way you, you sort of, do you write it out for us? How do you do that? You know, and, and we had sort of a mutual admiration society there that I, I liked what he did, and I think he liked what I did. And, and it, it worked out great. And then we became natural adversaries just by the nature of what we do. Uh, you know, you got two football teams or whatever it might be, two quarterbacks face, or whatever it might be. And I was always happy with that. You know, Letterman got the critics, and I got the popular vote. And that was fine. We each walked away with something. Nobody got creamed. Nobody got killed, you know, in the sense that uh, I had my fans and Dave had his fans, you know. Uh, and, and that was fine. That was always good. Jay, you said he was a nervous wreck, you know, tongue-in-cheek when he would do the show or before the show. How were you? Early on, like nerves going on the Tonight Show for the first appearance, or hosting the show, or filling in for Johnny. No, How did you deal I with never. The nerves? I, I, you know, the only time I got nervous in my life, I was at 
the White House with Reagan doing the correspondence center, right? So I'm standing backstage, and this general comes in. He's got the whole chest full of medals. And he's looking. He goes, hey, you're the comedian. How does the president of the United States? You don't denigrate him. You don't make fun of him. And he's poking me in the chest. I'm going, well, sir, it's my job. I don't care what your job. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he's just yelling at me, you know? And then he leaves. I'm thinking, oh, man, do I got to redo everything? And two minutes later, George Schultz, remember him, Secretary of State? Mm-hmm. He comes in, and he's half in the bag. He's got a drink in there. He goes, Leno, come here. Come here, Leno. When you get out there tonight, you nail Ronnie's ass to the wall. And I go, well, a general said, that guy works for me. Screw him. I'll deal with him. You just make fun of that black thing on Reagan's head. You think his head is still black? The guy's 72 years old. And he's just going on and on. I go, I go well, he said, no, no, no. Get out there. I don't, I'll take care of that general. I'm thinking, oh, man, what am I going to do here? I, I remember the opening joke that night, I think, was I want to congratulate uh, First Lady Nancy Reagan for winning the Humanitarian Year Award. I'm glad she beat up that conniving little bitch, Mother Teresa. And, and Reagan Reagan fell off the chair. He just started laughing so hard. And I thought, okay, I'm in good shape. You know? <laughs> Broke the ice. Uh, before I let yeah, you go, I'm going to ask the obligatory because I have to. I mean, you're not good. 25 anymore, but you're still doing you're still doing gigs on the road. And you got Jay Leno's Garage, yeah. and now you've got you bet your life. Like, how long do you want to keep doing the workaholic part of your life? Well, I guess till you have your stroke, isn't that how it works? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's how it works. You go until <laughs> you fall down. You know. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I still enjoy it. I, I mean, you know, the nice part is. The first 10 minutes are now in. When, when you're a new performer, it was, it's a, you, when you started, you'd say, it took me 10 minutes, but I got them. I never got them. It took me 20 minutes, but I finally got them. There's always a point where you got to get them. When you're well-known, you got them from the get-go. Now it's your job to hold on to them, which can be just as tricky. It's the exact opposite of the other job. You know, I always remember comedians say, I remember coming I helped with my, my weakest material because I know the people aren't listening. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because they're not going to listen, you know. But no, he was convinced that was the way to do it. And I said, open with your best material, so at least you can, at least you get. So that's that's how it works when you start out. You're always trying to get them, you know. How long will it take you to get them, you know? And uh, but when you're well known, at least you got them from the get go. And if you're any good, hopefully you can hold them. I do want to ask you a question. I'm going to tie you down to it because I know you make fun of show business, and that's fine. But you did have a place like it, it, in culture and pop culture, and you might not like the word, but iconic to some degree. How would you like to be remembered 20, 30 years from now? Well, please. You know, uh, you know. I, he, he, let me tell you how that works. I was at the uh, – well, it used to be the Hilton. It was the International. I met that hotel. As I'm walking by, I see two guys carrying a giant cardboard cutout of Elvis, and they're coming the other direction. And I go, oh, oh, that's cool. You guys putting up an Elvis? Uh, got an Elvis thing coming in? Guy goes, coming in. No, we're taking it out. And I go, why are you taking it out? Nobody knows where Elvis is anymore. I went, really? And I went, okay, there's your answer, Okay. I said, really, they were taking out the, the the whole Elvis thing because the audience had aged out and it was too old, you know? And you go, okay, so whatever you think people are going to remember, <laughs> don't worry about it. Enjoy your life while you're here, okay? You know, worrying about what happens after you're dead, and not a lot you can do on that. 
Yeah, that's, that's a great place to end it. Uh, Jay is performing at the Cobb Energy Center. Again, you can see Jay Leno's Garage on CNBC and You Bet Your Life on Fox. Jay, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, and I am 28 months I in. I'm looking forward to seeing hey. you Saturday night. See you then. Come backstage. Say hi. Okay, we, we, bye-bye. We'll do it. Jay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's, get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near, and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're going to find, a craft beer bar, self-serve taps, uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salad, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. The DailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like Trivia Night, Kids Eat Free Night, and more. TheDailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love The Daily Draft. Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it. But that somebody doesn't have to be you. At The Rose Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at roads-group.com. Uh, let's head to the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Welcome in a uh, member of the Atlanta Braves, which I guarantee has a ring to it. Still a fresh ring to it, but a ring to it for our next guest. He's Colin McHugh, Hello. Braves pitcher. Excuse me, Chuck. Who joins us right now on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line? Colin, how are you? I'm doing great, fellas. How are y'all? We're doing very well. Uh, we had a lot of ground to cover with you. and um, I guess the place to start is, Colin, I'm reading the notable alumni of the Providence Christian Academy here on Wikipedia, and I always trust Wikipedia. Do you know who the other two notable alumni are that are listed right around Colin McHugh? Oh, goodness. I mean, there are Providence uh, stars all over the place. So, yeah, I say stars. We were stars when I was there. I believe they're the Storm now, which is uh, objectively way cooler. Um, <laughs> uh, probably, uh, there's two other major leaguers right now, which is, uh, which is pretty great. Garrett Whitlock yep. of the Boston Red Sox. Ding, ding. And, uh, yep. And Christian Stewart also of the Boston Red Sox. I believe he's in triple A with him right now. How about that? I'll give, I'll give you one more. Andy Hull says the lead singer uh, yeah. of indie rock band, Manchester orchestra. I'm not familiar with him. Oh, Andy is, Andy is one of the, one of the best songwriters of our generation. I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. You're talking, you're talking, uh, Wu-Tang. I'm talking Manchester <laughs> orchestra. <laughs> it's very, it's very similar. So, uh, for those who don't know, Colin grew up in Lilburners. I heard it called on ESPN Liburn during the opener, which yeah, I thought that was and They never get Dacula, to... right? Yeah. It's always funny. So here's the obvious place to start. So let's get the obvious thing out of the way. Has it set in yet? Like settled in that you're wearing the A and pitching for your hometown team? It's getting there. It, it honestly, it took it took a minute. It did. It, I was I had a moment on opening day where I put on the jersey and I thought, whole this is really happening. Uh, and then yeah, you kind of like. You're going out and you're pitching. I pitched, you know, I throw thousands and thousands of pitches, but uh, yeah, it hits a little different being uh, being in Atlanta, being wearing these colors, wearing this hat, doing the whole thing. I, it's what I grew up watching. It's like built into me. 
All right, well, let's go the other way. All the way back to when you were first beginning in the bigs. You're with the Mets. You have a total of 11 games in the majors, and then they tell you, oh, yeah, you're pitching in Denver every day now. Um, well, how was that for a young pitcher who's still trying to find his legs a little bit to say, yeah, you, you just got traded to the Rockies? Uh, it's not ideal. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not ideal. Uh, yeah, I came up with the Mets, and, you know, I, when you're when you're with a team to start out with and you make it all the way up to the big leagues with that same team, you just assume that you're going to be there for – a while. And I mean, we, we got bounced around pretty quickly that year. I think we had, I think I was in seven different teams, two different organizations. Then I played in Venezuela that off season. I mean, it was a truly chaotic year in every way possible, but yeah, Denver's tough. Denver's a beautiful city, tough place to pitch. Colin McHugh, Braves reliever with Chuck and Chernoff on the Hobson and Hobson newsmaker line. Now you're 34 years old. So I'm trying to do the math on this. You weren't old enough to remember 91, when the Braves have their big turnaround, what is one of your first Braves uh, memories as a kid? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm let you know I did remember '91, and I only remember it for one specific reason. It's because I was living in Chicago at the time. Uh, you know, I'm five years old, four years old, five years old, and uh, my mom and dad, both big Braves fans, they grew up in Atlanta. They're from Atlanta. Uh, we just happened to be living in the Midwest at the time. And Sid Bream rounds third. He's coming home. Slides into home. Braves win, Braves win. My mom jumps up, smacks my dad in the face with her with her like flailing hand. I'm pretty sure like gives him a black eye, breaks his nose, does something. It's pandemonium in the McHugh household. But I remember that so vividly. It truly one of my first memories. So wait, now, so that's ninety two. You're five years old. What about as oh, your gosh. It's okay. No, listen, Colin, you're an Atlanta guy. We can forgive you. What who was the guy for you then growing up? Because you know, you start to you're eight, you're nine, you're ten, like is it David Justice? Is it when Chipper Jones comes up? Who's the guy when you're a kid that you're like, that's my guy, he's a brave, and I love that dude? Dude, I was a pitcher. I was a pitcher from the jump, guys. And so, like, John Smoltz, I remember my grandmother telling me, uh, she was like, I just remember every time you would come over to the house, you'd be, you'd be asking me, like, when's John Smoltz pitching? When's John Smoltz pitching? And you could, like, recite his statistics. And for me, that was, I don't know what it was, but that was my guy. I watched all of them. I watched, like, as many games as I could every summer. I listened to it on the radio. Loved listening to baseball on the radio. Still has like a very sweet spot in my heart. But, um, dude, I remember just watching John Smoltz and being like, how is he doing what he's doing? Everything seemed – it seemed like he was like a superhero. All right, Kyle, this is all great, but we got to cut down to the bottom line here. Uh, before we came on, program director was like, all right, make it good but not too good. I was like, why? He said, because he wants your job. Um, <laughs> you, podcast, media, broadcasting, what is in your future? Do you want our jobs. I love baseball. All right, so I, I, I've, I keep telling people this. I'm just a baseball fan. I've been a baseball fan my whole life. Um, I, I will talk about it with anybody uh, for as long as they will talk about it with me. It, it, it really is frustrating to my family sometimes uh, because I can get in complete, like, in the weeds of baseball stuff with complete strangers. Uh, but I don't know. I just – I want to – I'm playing the game still. I'm still really enjoying pitching. Uh, it's, it's, you know, my favorite thing to do. Um, besides probably hanging out with my kids, probably my favorite thing to do on the planet. And uh, while I can still do it, I want to. And then when I'm done, I don't know. I, I think front office stuff is that I, I try to pick Alex's brain all the time. I'm sure he's sick of me at this point because I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by what, by how things work on the backside of, uh, on the backside of the diamond, you know, the things that we don't really see every day. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in that stuff. I've been a part of the union for a long time and I've been really involved there uh, over the last uh, seven or eight years. So, 
potentially something on that side of things. But I'm a players guy first and foremost, and I love I love like supporting and talking to players. So we'll see what what happens uh, over the course of the next I don't know four or five years. Yeah, yeah, that's all great. Take Joe Musgrove's job now. Don't take my job You're, later. You guys are that's too, what I'm you guys saying. are too good at this. Mm. You guys are too good at this. You've got you've got a great thing going. I'm not. I'm not coming after this gig. I don't think I could do what you guys do. Y'all have the y'all have the stamina that we. I play 162 games a year, but it's different. Yeah, y'all are doing this. You all clearly, time. haven't listened to the show, but we'll take. Yeah, your, we're your soft compliment. toss, middle middle. And I will tell you this, Colin: the contracts are very similar. You signed your two-year deal with the Braves. We just signed a two-year, very similar. So you wouldn't have to worry Let's about the compensations. Very similar. Now, as we play, getting to know Colin McHugh, Braves reliever, who's going to be a part of the show on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Uh, as guys, it is our obligation to be able to recite lines from movies of years gone by. So if I asked you the movie that it's on any time you could recite the lines from it, what would it be? Uh, I mean, I could probably do – I could probably do Dumb and Dumber word for word. I could probably do uh, a lot of Ace Ventura. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of, of just movies growing up that I, I just know off the top of my head. I, Happy Gilmore came on the other day in the clubhouse, and I was like – I mean, it was like a chorus of <laughs> – 28-year-old to 35-year-old guys just singing with Adam Sandler. So, yeah. What is the uh, movie in your house that the kids have made you watch? How old are your kids now, by the way? Six and three. Okay. Uh, so, fantastic ages. Two two little boys. Um, and we've been watching a lot of Encanto. Oh, yeah. So, no, no a lot of those songs. Um, <laughs> it, was Mo- it was Moana before that. Um I'm I'm pretty I think I'm pretty close to becoming a Pokemon master. So <laughs> do you guys walk around yeah. the house saying we don't talk about Bruno, or is that like is have we got to that point? You know, it's not the, it's not their favorite song, but okay. they will when it comes on they'll they'll go for it. My uh, my three year old has very specific music taste, so he will <laughs> tell me no, not that song, no, not that song until I get to the right one. I get it. No, it makes perfect sense. So what are you listening to when the kids aren't around? What's on the McHugh Spotify? Oh man, so I'm in, I'm in our uh, our little green room right now at our house, and we've got a record player in here. It's 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 very it's a very cozy vibe in here, and I think let's see what's on the record player right now. It would be a real record oh, player, it's, it's a real record like player. Like on the yep. ones and twos, yeah, vinyl. <laughs> I have uh, I have a little George Harrison on there right now, so that's what we've been that's what we've been spinning these days. Interesting. Look at Colin McHugh going old school on us. Uh, the twelve six podcast. Chuck referenced this, and I I took a listen to it. You're very comfortable behind the mic, and I know the baseball gets in the way of it. But uh, what are we seeing for that in the future? Yeah, you know, I, I try to I try to get episodes up as as often as I have content, and that really requires two things. One energy on my part and follow through which sometimes i'm just i'm not there and also great guests and i've, I've had you know the good fortune to have some really really good guests on there so far um and for me it's just it's conversations uh with baseball people that people might not get to hear uh you know post game and stuff we tend to have some canned responses guys tend to play their cards pretty close to the chest um, with media during the season just because it's a long season you don't want to say the wrong thing and you don't want to get blowback but you get two baseball people in the room together, and, and the conversations are fascinating to me. So that's what that's what I've tried to do with uh, with the podcast. I hope to keep it going. Uh, we've got some great personalities on this team uh, that I, I want to explore. I want to I want to talk to them, and I want to get those uh, get those conversations out there as quick as possible. So on a, a day off like today, if you're going to go out to dinner, what is the McHugh family? Where would they be found grabbing a bite? Oh, let's see. Uh, you know what I've been feeling lately is um, the Optimist over on the west side of Midtown. Great seafood place. If you're an oyster fan, great oysters. Um, it's a Ford Fry restaurant. I think it's one of his one of his best. Um, you, you I haven't been there in a while. You so can't I take the kids back. there though. Like, like, what are you doing if you're you're taking? Yeah, some that's got uh, chicken yeah. fingers and crayons. 
Hey, my six-year-old, my six-year-old loves oysters. Wow. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not BSing you. Like he, he cracked one, or we, we had one. We got a, a, a friend of ours who's a fishmonger down the street. Brought over some oysters not too long ago. Cracked one open. Was like, hey, you want to try one? And, uh, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Slurped it down. Said, I like it. And we were just mind blown. I mean, huh. this is the exact opposite of me as a child. So I feel very accomplished as a parent. Yeah, we can't get my kid to eat anything but chicken fingers and pizza. And I would love to have him explore <laughs> the optimist. Colin, we're, we're glad to have you back in town. It's a good start for you. We know the team's going to get rolling here. And we're looking forward to uh, having a conversation with you throughout the season. So thanks for uh, just, uh, jumping on and starting the fun. I love this, guys. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a baseball nut. So we'll, we'll talk baseball. We'll talk Braves. And then we'll probably – Talk some music and whatever else y'all are into these days. We'd love it, Colin. Thank you, my man. Yep. Take care, guys. Thanks, everybody, so much for taking the time to listen to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. Thanks to our producer, Matt Lear, for his assistance with the program. He's the glue that keeps the operation running. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Atlanta. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming uh-huh. And parties don't stop yeah. till 8 uh, in the morning Now the party don't start till I walk in And I usually don't leave until the day is But in the meantime, can you please Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Hey Atlanta, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today. AccentRoofingService.com. 